This week's episode of Bearded Fruit is instantly one of my favorites that we've done. Because this week, Neil and I had the incredible pleasure of interviewing the fabulous Jeffrey Marsh. Now, most people know Jeffrey from their social media presence, particularly from their incredibly affirming and loving vines. The message of inclusion that Jeffrey shares through social media has amassed over 300 million views and earned them the title of Viner of the Year by CBS. And they've also earned a fan base of over 500,000 followers. Vine was how we first became aware of Jeffrey, but their work extends far beyond the six-second inspirations that made them famous. Jeffrey is also an LGBTQ activist and icon who is a regular contributor, writer, and on-air host for Snapchat Stories, Facebook Live, O Magazine, Oprah.com, Time.com, Huffington Post, BuzzFeed, Mashable, and Mom.me, to name a few. Jeffrey is a social media ambassador and correspondent for MTV Logo, VH1, GLSEN, GLAD, and PFLAG. Jeffrey is also the first non-binary author with Penguin Random House and the first multi-hyphenate talent to use they-them pronouns as opposed to he, she, his, her. Their book, How to Be You, Stop Trying to Be Someone Else and Start Living Your Life, has inspired people young and old around the world to discover how wonderful they are. On this supersized episode of Bearded Fruit, we talk with Jeffrey about growing up in a small farming town in Pennsylvania, we wonder what Saturn thinks of us, and we get a healthy dose of the incredible kindness, love, and generosity that makes Jeffrey Marsh an indelible icon for the queer community. This week on Bearded Fruit, Jeffrey Marsh. Um, so where I'd like to start is, Jeffrey, if you could just uh, introduce yourself and tell everybody <laughs> in the Bearded Fruit audience a little bit about you of and what course, you do. my favorite subject. <laughs> uh, I would be happy to talk about me. Um, I'm an activist and an author. I just had a book with uh, Penguin Random House that came out. And I don't, this is. I was joking when I say it's my favorite subject. I mean, this is always the awkward part, right? I agree. Um, I have over 350 million views on social media, and I get messages every day from mostly teenagers saying, I was contemplating uh, ending everything, and now I've decided not to because I saw your video. And I don't, what else, what else should I say? <laughs> no, I, well, I think that's a really great place to start because I know that, that your, your work on Vine was, and I believe Neil would, I think this is for true for you too, but it's, it's where I first became aware of you and your work. And I, RIP I, Vine. Yeah, I know. So sad about it. Your, your work on Vine is so positive and, and fabulous. Uh, and thank you. 
And I know for, and I'm speaking for Neil, but you can speak for yourself, Neil, because you normally do. Um, I would just say that it's it's really a great thrill for us to to talk to you because we've both really admired all the work that all the work that you do and have uh, have done for sure. Yeah, so we're so glad to have you here. I love you too. Aww. Yeah. That's why I'm here. Yay! <laughs> yeah, Neil, did I, you want to say something? Did you want to yourself? Hello. Uh, <laughs> Is this thing on? Um. <laughs> no, it was just um, definitely Vine was was my introduction to you. Um, I would just see your face pop up on Tumblr all the time and be like, "Ooh, I know them. I've seen them before. Let me watch them." Um, and then it would nice, be this nice use of the word "them." Right. Good points. <laughs> right. Doing our homework here on bearded fruit. <laughs> I'm literally just going for brownie points, so. <laughs> Now that I'm out of school, um, but yeah, I remember I, I would I would I would see you pop up and be like, "Oh, I know their work," and it would be this vine of you turning into Wonder Woman and like punching a bigot in the face, and I'd be like, "Yes," or you'd be telling me to love myself, and I'm like, "I'm trying." Thank you. <laughs> um, You're succeeding, I, Neil. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, and and it was also just um, the notion of. Um, if this isn't too weird, I would see you'd have like a beard, but then also like gold eyed shadow. And I'd be like, yes, yes, come through. I, I enjoy seeing that kind of representation on my dashboard. <laughs> um, so like it was, it was like wonderful to also have that moment of, um, I guess, gender rebelling on my social media. Um, that was refreshing. So that's how we were introduced to your work. And I think I think maybe I showed Cody a couple of your vines. And then ew, all is history. <laughs> then everything so, happened. So that's a great that's a great uh, way into some so I am reading the one the, that keeps us on track. I'm getting the dynamic. Because I get the, I I take the notes. I do all the yeah. <laughs> So I would a little bit history. I would I in reading the the description and a little bit of writing about your book, which we we will get to. uh, You it says that the book talks about growing up fabulous in a small farming town, and that resonated with me because I grew up in a small farming town, not quite fabulous. So I if you, I grew up in Louisiana. I'm a Cajun boy. His family's uh, his family's neighbors are literally horses. It's true. (laughs) Yeah. I would love to. Where did you grow up? The middle of Pennsylvania. Oh wow! Affectionately termed Pennsylvania. So <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm from Omaha, Nebraska, and there's a uh, Council Tucky, which is Council Bluffs, Iowa. So I I understand exactly what that means. I <laughs> I don't know how Kentucky came to be the representative of all things conservative, but where I was growing up, the church. My mother is a pastor, a Lutheran pastor, oh. and our local church was also the Klan meeting house. Yikes! Met in the basement. <laughs> um, they would have they would have meetings in the basement. So you know you can't. I guess when you're the Klan, you can't afford rental rental on a space of your own. <laughs> um, so you meet in the church basement. I'm not sure. Thank you, Lord. But it, it was thank you, thank you, Lord. It was a very, very conservative place. And I indeed did grow up uh, fabulous there. I would go in the barn and pretend to be Wonder Woman and Bette Midler and Julie Andrews and Cheetah Rivera and many others and myself 
as a way to escape the horrendous uh, conservatism, which we could talk about if you want. Well, I it's it, I I relate to that. Although I wasn't aware of like Cheetah Rivera until much later, but um, I, I oh, how sad for you. <laughs> I know, I know. You know, I came to the rink very late. Um, <laughs> well, that one I'm not. I, that yes. <laughs> I only I only bought the rink because it's also Liza Minnelli, and that just felt yeah, exactly. felt like a perfect. Um, but I, I we didn't have a barn. Well, we had a barn, but it was uh, we lived on this a piece of property with our with my grandparents. So we they lived in the front house, and we lived kind of in the back and in the between the two houses where where was a little barn, and we had the cows and chickens. But I would spend most because I didn't have any. There were no other kids in the neighborhood my age, and I was kind of this weird little gay kid. And I would spend most of my time outside. I had there was this like weird broken piece of gray PVC pipe that I would wander around the yard, spinning in the air like it was a baton, pretending that I was um, pretending that I was like accepting an Oscar for a movie that I had done. Or he's or just in the backyard, Sally fielding it up like, you I, really right. Like and, then, me. and I would, I do the whole thing. I would, I'd like, I'd reenact the scene that they showed at the Oscars from my movie. Of course. Like you so, do, like we all did. And I'm not, I'm not one to, I'm not one to armchair psychoanalyze, but, but comma, but ellipses um you know we were all i think looking for well every human on earth is looking for love and unconditional acceptance and so often as queer people we are forced into um rigging up our own system of love and acceptance when we're kids Mm -hmm. sort of holding it together with with scotch tape and spit and that the barn for me was that sort of rigged system. And it wasn't until I became an adult that I found out that you could actually create your own real system of love and acceptance in your life. Mm. Is it okay to get deep? Yeah. Please get deep. Absolutely. So did, was, was the barn the only place as, as a young person that you found that sort of safe space or were there, were there friends or were there other people in that crazy conservative small town that you could uh, find that with? Well, God bless community theater. <laughs> Let's say that. Yes. yes. Uh, because that was one accepting place. And, you know, also the many, the many issues that I had with mom and dad, they did let me do plays at the community theater. You know, they weren't so arch conservative that they weren't willing to give me some safe spaces, some safe queer spaces. Mm-hmm. That was one of them. And uh, I ended up going to a magnet school for the arts, mm. which mom and dad also let me do. And that was another safe spot for me. I mean, what about you? It, did you have it those was, safe spots besides the I, backyard and accepting your Oscar? I actually had it a lot with... Uh, through teachers, uh, because I, around fifth grade, I, a teacher recognized that I was a writer, that I was fairly okay at writing for a fifth grader. And I was very lucky to have a series of teachers that, um, 
that allowed me opportunities to write and share it with the class and have like sort of a special place. And they gave me, uh, you know, they'd let me like hang out during recess because I wasn't going to be, I wasn't friends with anybody. Yeah. And, and uh, so those mostly it was teachers. It was like being in the school library, writing and having teachers encourage that, that created that space. And then I found, I found theater in college. Yeah. As many of us do. And it's that, so now I'm coming back, which we can talk to you later in the podcast if you want. Now I'm coming back to acting. Mm. So I've done this social media fame thing. And now I'm because of that and having the book deal and making money and, you know, um, agents say, oh, we could probably make money with Jeffrey in the acting world. So I've been going out on auditions for TV and film. And, and the whole irony of it is, I think as queer people, we are now adept once we go through that cycle of everyone telling us you can't be yourself, finding it out that we can be for ourselves. If we go through all that cycle and we end up ah, in a loving, accepting, healthy place, we are so primed to do the truth telling Mm -hmm. that performing requires. And I say that it's ironic because, you know, you think it's acting, you're putting on a character. It's a weird, it's, you know, you're, you, it's, it's a, it's a weird place that's not real. Right. But in a way, your job is to tell the truth. And as queer people, we are really good at doing that because we know the difference. I agree. I think because we have to reckoning with authenticity is something that's that's a bigger challenge for us to do. And Ooh. we do we do that simply to to live. We have to do that the we have to take the risk of authenticity simply just to exist in the world. And so making that leap in a show is is easier because we've we've had to live that experience. Yeah. Would you agree, Neil? Yeah. Did you I'm, have a I'm... reckoning with authenticity? <laughs> A Your Reckoning style. with Authenticity, um, a new play by Cody DeGalorean. <laughs> um, I'll star in it. Yeah. Yes. I, that's <laughs> happening. It's happening. Done. We're going to stop the podcast so he can start on the first scene. <laughs> um, yeah. So it, 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 it's interesting hearing you guys talk because, namely because I'm trying to wrap my brain around like, where was my safe space? And like, what, what did I create? And um I I don't think I created such like a, an imaginative kind of space like a you know like like a liminal space between reality in my brain versus reality of my existence um like I I wasn't I wasn't accepting Oscars because um I grew up um I I was born outside of Chicago when Michael Jordan was big so I was playing basketball <laughs> um yeah yeah and it, and and not that that was like an inauthentic experience. I genuinely enjoyed basketball, but um, it's just uh, I, I didn't have theater necessarily. Um, so 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 I'm trying to figure out like like if I had that experience and what it looked like. And I genuinely think that um, I only recently started actually creating that. Um, and that's not to say I didn't have support systems. I have lifelong friends that I met through nonprofits and, and other things that I've done um, that helped me um, be comfortable with who I am. But like honestly, moving to Connecticut and going to grad school, being able to f- 
physically and emotionally reinvent myself um, three years ago mm-hmm. is kind of where I was like, oh, I can I can be who I want, so I don't actually have to impress anybody anymore. Um, Good feeling, isn't it? A little bit, yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> just a tiny bit. Um, so, so I, even even in my own practice as, as a visual artist, um, I didn't really do that in high school, actually. Um, I wasn't a visual artist. I was a musician in high school. I was in band and jazz band. And then I went to art school and everybody assumed I was going for music. And I was like, ha-ha, plot twist. I like to paint. Um, so, yeah, that's... That's how I feel about this. <laughs> if that even answers yeah. any semblance of a question. Well, I, let, let me break it down for you, because I just gave the TED Talk about this. <laughs> and, yes. Plug yourself. Yes. It's so fresh, it's not even out yet, actually. So watch the Twitters. <laughs> but the whole talk was about how the thing you were taught is wrong with you is actually going to be the key to your activism. Oh, I so love that. I uh. was taught that to ah, uh, I was taught that to be uh, queer is not acceptable. You got to change. You got to feel shame. You got to hide it. You've got to pretend it's not there. You got to do all these things, and it ended up actually being the key to why I get up in the morning and feel good about the change that I'm making in the world. Plot it twist. is the crux of who I am. I love that. And it's on a much smaller scale, but I, I feel I feel that way about this podcast sure. in, a, in a lot of ways. And uh, as I spent most of my, my creative life uh, being, being a playwright, and while I did write about queer things... Um, uh, this has this podcast certainly feels like a, a a deeper and more authentic way of interacting with the world and creating something useful, and uh, and we talk Absolutely. about all the things that I certainly tried to hide when I was throwing that baton around in the yard, except in my Oscar. I like that's a, that's a, lo- that's a lovely idea. I like I like the idea that an Oscar is actually just a baton. I mean. Yes. You mean conceptually Although, or aesthetically? Well, I just imagine like an actual baton routine, but they're holding Oscars instead. Yeah, I like it. Did I have extreme... one on fire, you think? Oh, yes. And I could really do it because I have a lot of practice. I spent many years out in that yard swinging batons in the air. Well, I'm picturing um, like major writing. Is that what you were doing? Swirling and throwing I mean, it behind your back and all that? Yes, that was that was pretty much it. Because I'm sort of I'm just a fidgety person. I always have to have like be doing something, and so that was a, a physical thing to occupy my time while I was talking to myself and imagining. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes a lot of sense, actually. Yeah. <laughs> right, because I'm always I'm always t- like I, this is so tangential, but you know those little like those fidget spinners that everybody is all the kids are. Listen, t- I'm sounding like an old no. man. The, What's a they're these. A fidget spin. This is it's fantastic. It's this little, um, sometimes plastic, sometimes metallic device. That you, it that looks has like a, a shuriken, right? Like it's uh, a triangle like thing what? That you can spin. <laughs> you got to start at the beginning. Is is that a Pokemon? I have no what a what a ninja star, a shuriken. Come on, guys, oh, a little bit. It does look like a ninja star, but you can you hold the middle and then you can spin it. Uh, so the 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 star kind of piece spins. 
And uh, it's great just to sort of occupy your time while like you're in a meeting or something, or if you just need to occupy your, and they're very popular among the kiddos. Um, For giving your hands something to be to doing. To do. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you anyway. were using that as a metaphor for something, I think? Or um, I don't even... We were in the middle how of something. How did we even get to... Were, yeah, how you, were just, <laughs> you were just going to say that you wanted to get one. I think that's what you were going to say. Yeah, I do. Yeah. <laughs> I do. And the baton was like that. The baton was like that. That was what... Yeah, that's that it was its yeah. purpose. Um, I didn't sort of imagine that I was going to be a cool yeah. majorette leading the band, but it was just a thing. Go out into the world and find your fidget spinner, right. whatever that may be. What's, what's your relationship, Jeffrey, with, with your hometown now? Oh, gosh. Um, I haven't been back there in 10 years. Really? Yeah, really. Oh, no, that's not true. I actually took my, <laughs> I took my partner there. We were on our way to visit family for something else who live, you know, kind of near there, but not there. Mm-hmm. And uh, I took my partner through there to, to see where I grew up and the sites and where I went to church and all that stuff. But it, I, we didn't stop and say hello to anyone, yeah. if that tells you anything. Is that like I'm curious if does does it still does it feel what did it ever feel like home I was I was asking if it still feels like home but but it may not have what does home feel like is that a real question (laughs) (laughs) um cord on the cob that's an interesting it's interesting because I on the cob with old day. Before moving here to Connecticut, I I would have definitely said that where I grew up feels like home. But uh, but not to be corny, but my my home here with Neil feels like home. Like this feels like home to me. Shut uh, up. Louisiana feels like the place I grew up and where my family lives, but not home. Yes, and so many of us queer folk go through that process of a chosen family and a chosen home. And I think it's what, one. Go ahead. Yeah. I was going to ask, I would love to hear about you, about what the place that feels like home for you now. Well, several of them. And one thing that I've learned is that home, you know, you were getting cheesy there a moment ago <laughs> and Neil didn't like it. <laughs> um, Never but I love it and I'm going to say something that's arch cheesy right now home is it inside you mm. right mm. it's where the heart is which is oftentimes in our chests yes I was going to say which is often oftentimes not always sometimes yeah. um, and the reason I say that so I've I've been Buddhist for 15 years And the kind of Buddhism that I study is Zen. Mm -hmm. So there's a monastery where I train and I go there. That feels like home. But my apartment in New York City feels like home. And to be quite frank, I made a promise to myself at one point. And we can talk about the process of that if you want. But I made a promise to myself that no matter where I was would feel like home. So I was on Newsmax TV, conservative cable TV, Mm. and that felt like home Hmm. because I made a promise that no matter what happened, I was loved and accepted and I would, 
have no reviews, no judgments, no. You make that for no. yourself. You make your home where you go. Yes. And as cheesy as it sounds, I think it's what we all must do in order to find happiness. Mm. And I, 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 I think that's so hard for so many people to. Of course, to it's the hardest thing in our like, life. This is why, as soon as you said it, I thought, "Oh my God, I that's I don't know that I'm I don't know that I'm there yet mm. to that place where I where I feel like home is is wherever I am. I don't know that it, I'm there yet. Yes, and here's the weirdest thing because you know I work with the youth, mm -hmm. the youth, the youthlings, the baby children. <laughs> The baby children's, and it's because I want to get them early, mm -hmm. right? There's a habit we create of walking around with this incredibly oppressive, horrible stream of self-criticism and judgment. Shall I, shall I give you some samples? I wouldn't that say was, no. Sure. I <laughs> was stupid. Why'd you do that? Oh my God, they're going to hate you. We just have this incredible stream of the most vile, disgusting stuff going on inside our heads. And it's merely a habit, and the habit can be broken. I'm here to tell you it's possible to live a whole life with none of that going on. Mm. And I want to get people as young as possible where the habit is not quite as fully formed and, and tell them the, I guess, gospel. Am I following in my mom's the footsteps? Truth. <laughs> the truth. There you go. That's that's a better way to phrase it. The truth. The good so, news. So for someone who is maybe listening to this and 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 relating to to not feeling that way, where where do you like where did you start, or 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 where would you say you know here's a place to begin learning to to love yourself more? I would say buy my book. <laughs> um, <laughs> kidding. Um, one, one thing that you can absolutely start with is awareness. Mm. So the place to start is to know and admit to yourself that it's, that it's happening, that it's going on. Yeah, and then I, I'm, I, go ahead. I, 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 um, I totally resonate with that. Um, just, uh, starting with, um, speaking because um, whenever I have moments of anxiety or self-doubt or things like that, I've always noticed that telling myself that that's what's going on <clears throat> is the uh, first step. Uh, so um, here's my little testimonial to the uh, Jeffrey yeah. Marsh method. Uh, go for it. <laughs> well, it's like this weird, wacky idea. I'm saying there's a voice inside your head that's constantly telling you there's something wrong with you. You need to hide. You need to feel shame. You need to change. That's basically a wacky idea. So first step is to notice that it's actually happening and going on. I because I think a lot of the things that we tell ourselves, we would never say to other people. Hello. Exactly right. <laughs> we would, I, would never, I would never be as critical of another person as I am about myself. Sure. You would never say to Neil, well, that was stupid. Uh, I wouldn't would be so sure of that. <laughs> no, I no, I wouldn't. <laughs> but I certainly do say it to myself all the time. <laughs> Why wouldn't we treat ourselves with the kindness, love, unconditional acceptance that we would treat a, a kid we know? 
Yeah. And yeah. was 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 the practice of Buddhism was the practice of Zen Buddhism particularly was that instrumental in that process for you? Oh yeah, I mean they're they are the same thing. Okay, for sure, because you go you have the chance to be in an environment where supposedly you get in touch with the truth of the universe. And come to find out the truth doesn't hate me. The mm-hmm. universe doesn't hate me. The, the, you know, I think about, <laughs> I was just thinking about this this morning. Saturn is, is floating out there somewhere. The planet Saturn is out there somewhere. Does Saturn care that I screwed up something? <laughs> I does, love that. That's a great yeah. question, actually. <laughs> does Saturn care that I'm queer and that a lot of people can't conceptualize that? I, I No, probably not. Right? There's a vast universe out there beyond our internal dialogue. That's the point. This I, is where I insert my obligatory joke about Uranus. Go on. <laughs> Was that it, or is it coming? That was it. Yeah, no, that's the joke. I'm not. I don't need to elaborate further. The audience knows. Insert here. So I would. I would. <laughs> that wasn't. That wasn't. It's. Oh my god, that. that was good. No, insert here. That was. I. J- I was totally gonna leave. No, let me put on my NPR. Um, yeah. With and You're I, trying I'm, your best. I, I always miss the good ones. Um. So I would I would love to 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 know about specifically the 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 journey of for you recognize gender non-binary is that the the way that you describe your identity? <laughs> <What's> your question. <laughs> I would because I I would, the, that gender journey uh, for you what was what that, that process like of of self-realizing that and um right. And and coming into that identity and, and owning it in the way that you do in such like a powerful and positive way. Pause. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I I was pausing because how how does one how does one answer that? Hmm. Uh, I've and you're not I'm I'm not I'm not um, belittling your question. It's an excellent question. Uh, I've I've. It was a long process, and I've identified as many things. And really, honestly, actually, the answer is the the children, the kids online who are not children. They don't like to be called children. The youth online, the young adults online who taught me, who were asking me, what's your pronoun? Before I had a conceptualization of, of what they were talking about. Mm, wow. They saw it in me <laughs> before I I knew that that's who I was. Would you say you were digitally clocked? Yes. And sometimes in real life clocked by yeah. youth. Yeah. Yeah. That that's kind of that's kind of amazing, really. As I, I find young people particularly are so they're so they're inspiring to me. I think. Thank you. The. <laughs> oh God. Thank you, Neil. Right. Well, I mean. <laughs> How old are you, Neil? 
I'm turning 27 at the end of May. Mm-hmm. Wow. You know, we go out into the world and I get clocked as his father. It's which... great. <laughs> it's not a bad thing. It's not a great thing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so we're literally going nowhere on Father's Day because I'm not having it. I'm not having it. Oh. We made that mistake once. <laughs> I'm not having it. Nobody's going to wish me happy Father's oh. Day. Not happy. No, but I do. I, 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 I feel like... Uh, Young people are are not only coming into a world that ha- that is is so much more accepting, but they're they're also being brave in really inspiring ways. Absolutely. That, that like and, is I go ahead. Well, no, I was just going to say to them, it's no big thing, mm-hmm. which is great, <laughs> which is wonderful. And then it was sort of this feedback loop. So they think that they're getting. The kids, uh, the youth, think that they're getting all this stuff from me. So they're constantly telling me, you know, you're so inspiring and you you help me to, to tell my parents and to live my truth. And, the, you know, and, then, and I my jaw drops because I have gotten so much from them. You know, mm-hmm. the, it's this feedback loop of you're OK. No, you're OK. No, you're OK. No, you're, you're inspiring. Valid. No, you're inspiring. You're valid. You're valid. Yeah, just back and back and back and back and forth and back and forth. And I couldn't be happier. And I need to keep, when I go talk in Iowa and Spokane, and when I go to these GSAs and and hug people, I always need to tell them, you've done so much for me. You know? That's lovely. So let's talk about... I didn't need to cut you off. Oh, no. Let's talk about your social media... A lot because you're kind of a legend. You're legendary, iconic. <laughs> you're like, yeah, very much so. And I would, On the I would tumblers. love to, I would love to hear you talk about that experience of 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 connecting in such a profound way to so many people, it's and what that has I never been like chose, for you. Cody. <laughs> it chose me. Um, isn't that what I'm supposed to say? <laughs> was, it a, was it a great surprise to you or well the surprise was that my simple vine um i can predict the future and you're going to be okay oh that's that one that, of my favorites that, that vine that i just did for fun one take to you know, the motivation behind it was to help people feel better about who they were, right? To just touch someone's heart. The big shock was that, that that went around the world and went around the internet and has, you know, 30, 40 million views. And that people to this day talk about it. It's, Vine doesn't exist anymore, but they have found it on the internet somewhere and are still playing it as they go to bed, playing it on the school bus on the way to school to to get in a good mood to be going to school. I mean, it's just shocking to me because I never thought, I, I just put stuff out. I never think about this, you know? Has the has the evolution of of that online relationship that you have with your your really dedicated and, and expansive base, has it shaped the the way that you approach your work 
has it like crystallized what you think your role can be or what you would like it to be? Oh, of course. I mean, I think sometimes to go back to mom, everything goes back to mom. Um, mom tells a story that God talked to her when she was 13 and said, You're, you, you need to do this. You need to be a pastor when she was 13 years old. And her response was, oh, hell no. Hell no. I'm not doing that. And I sort of had this similar process where my stuff started going viral and people wanted me to be doing more of the heartfelt vines as opposed to like the funny skit vines. And, you know, it was, it was just this process of winnowing yourself into what people were asking for desperately. And I don't mean to say that as a way of like humble bragging. I just mean there was such a need for someone queer to come forward and say, I live without shame. Mm. I live without the weight of what other people think of me. Here it is. Boom. Because you know there's that kind of deal with it or even don't deal with it if you can't. Mm. I don't care. (laughs) <laughs> I don't care what your reaction is, right? The, it's it's the um, I've seen so many queer artists live on the playground, so they were beat up, they were made fun of, and they make that everyone's problem for the rest of their lives mm. with with bitterness and making fun and. You know, it it, mm-hmm. it it just compounds everyone's suffering. And at a certain point, you realize bigots are going to do what they're going to do. The buck has to stop somewhere. Someone has to stand up for love and acceptance at some point in the chain of abuse. That person's going to be me. I love that. I love it. <laughs> well, I, I think I think it's very interesting that making you making the connection that that it has been some sort of calling that you that in some way uh, the universe, which which earlier you know, were saying doesn't really care about us, but in some way sort of tapped you on the shoulder and said, "Hey, this is a thing. This is a place where you might be useful, or a place where you might make a big difference." Maybe it was um, Saturn. Maybe it was. Maybe it was, Saturn does care. It was definitely Uranus <laughs> for me. <laughs> Neil. Yes. Did you feel tapped on the shoulder as a visual artist? <laughs> um, you know, that was a really huge struggle of mine in grad school. Because, um, okay, so... In between undergrad and grad school, in between my BFA and my MFA, um, I did a fellowship program with a nonprofit where they gave you studio space and a pretty meager stipend in exchange for some kind of community service project. Um, And I did this project that I'm still really proud of. It was called We Are Here. And it was these portraits of queer youth where um, I made the portraits and then pasted them up in various places on cork boards and downtown shopping centers and things like that. And they had QR codes where when you scan it, you would go to a website where they told their story in their own words of what it meant to be queer in that community. Um, 
and I'm still I'm still pretty proud of that. Um, so I went into grad school wanting to do that kind of work, not realizing that um, the University of Connecticut is in the middle of nowhere. And in order to do community-based projects, you need a community to base yourself in. Um, and there was yeah. just this little tiny town that it, it was much, much, much different from the big city of Omaha, Nebraska, um, which is actually, I mean, it's bigger than Hartford. So it is a genuine city. And I didn't really realize I was signing up for that. Um, so then I was like, okay, I can't really work with people necessarily. What does this mean for my practice? Um, how do I explore these kinds of ideas, um, while still remaining fresh, while still remaining relevant and while also still pleasing my teachers? Cause I mean, I had to graduate. Um, so last year or two years did ago, I feel, did you feel like the universe was calling you to do this work? Well, Yes, um, but I definitely made mistakes along the way. Um, up, 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 up. That's not what I asked about. <laughs> no, 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 but they were good mistakes. mistakes up, 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 up. <laughs> we don't need to hear about the mistakes. Was the universe calling you? Did you say yes? <laughs> I said, yeah. <laughs> well, better than no. <laughs> but of course... I think you're- and I think he's no, underplaying I, him. I, I, I believe that he did say yes. And, good. Thank you, Cody. And the mistake. I think the mistakes are part of. I mean, don't don't you agree? The mistakes are part of the journey. You have to. That's some, totally if, what if I was going to get into. If you guys let me finish. Whoa. Okay. <laughs> I was going to tell you okay. how much I was going to tell you how much I learned from my mistakes and how I feel like going through it was actually a good thing. Like I was going to say that I was going to be like yes. I was trying really hard, but I made mistakes, and that's okay. And I learned from it. Yay! So now here's your here's your philosophical tidbit: mistakes do not exist. You can't really call them mistakes, can you? Because here you are today. I mean, that's fair. I didn't die, so fair. Well, even if you had died, the concept of a mistake. Here's what's here's what's What's logically wrong with the concept of a mistake? I should have known better. How? Time machine? <laughs> you, you, you're supposed to go fold the universe back in on itself and have gone back there and known something that you actually didn't know? Well, so technically, you're just a person living a life and doing things. Well, I'm not go saying... Ahead. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying I should have known better. I'm I am saying I didn't know and now I do. And I think there's there's a difference between those two. It's not me saying I should have known better so much as I learned a thing. Um and I wouldn't exactly. have learned that thing unless I did that. That's what I've been saying. I'm just yeah. using a different nomenclature. <laughs> I love your nomenclature. Yeah, we're saying the same thing. Um there Go. Well, yeah, yeah. It just, I tried to do this project that I thought was going to be really great and, and, um, empowering and also, uh, uh, really telling of the society we live in. And it turns out I was just being gross and contributing to a negative narrative. And I was like, oh, I'm not helping in doing this. (laughs) Um, I'm actually hurting. And here is why. And now I know that. And I feel better about trying to do it and learning that than I do having the idea and never doing it and never learning it. Um, so yeah, like I, f- or being, I 
feel better as an artist and I feel better as a person, as an activist for having tried and failed. Um, I feel better knowing now and I feel better like this is what I should have done. And now I know that. So now I can do that and now I can be better. Um, Yeah, failure isn't real either, but we'll have that discussion at a different time. What's interesting, We're going to send though, Bill into, into like private sessions with you, Jeffrey, so that we can. <laughs> I will be in New York tomorrow, so we could do that. That's fine. It's uh, 350 an hour. Just talk to my sister. <laughs> hey, um, no, it's okay. I make Shoreline money now. We're fine. We can handle oh, it's that. Good. It's fair. Good. good. Yes. The, the point, though, that I want to underline, because it was so brilliant and it kind of flew by, is that. A lot of people think it's better to live a quote-unquote safe, small life, not ever trying, than it is to try and have things go away that you didn't plan. You you chose the second one, and things did not go away that you planned or that you had hoped or whatever, however you want to phrase that, neutrally. And to me, that's always the better choice than living a small life. And I agree. Yeah. Yeah, and, and really, agree. look, at, you're like li- you're living proof of it. You 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 walk that walk. Well, I try to be every day, yeah. which is wonderful. I would love to talk about the book. Okay, if we can. So the book is did called want, "How." Did you really want? Sorry, I, I keep hmm? interrupting you, but it's like a New York City thing, and I it's because I'm enthusiastic. Oh, it's it's fine. Okay, um, did you want to talk about gender identity? You brought that up. Um, there's not really much to say. People can Google it. No, actually, I think, I think the answer that you gave was was exactly was exactly what uh, perfectly valid and and right in line with not okay, what I was good. hoping you would say, but no, that was totally great. Okay, um, great. So the book is called How to Be You: Stop Trying to Be Someone Else and Start Living Your Life. I would love for you to talk a little bit about what what inspired you to turn this work that you're you've been doing into a book you're so good i mean sometimes i have to shoehorn my book into the conversation i've become adept at it but you just i am you here brought it for up you yourself. i yeah no <laughs> i am here for you <laughs> um the reason by the way that i shoehorn it into every conversation is because it's something that i'm very very proud of mm-hmm. and something that so many people have told me has changed their lives for the better and that's that's what I'm on, on earth to do. The what was your question? <laughs> what inspired the what inspired why make the book? What oh. ignited that work? <clears throat> well, originally it is a book for my 11-year-old self. It was I love you that. know, if I could go back and I could tell my 11-year-old self some of the truths about the universe that I have learned in the meantime, it's, it's this, it's a love letter to 11 year old Jeffrey. But it turns out there are a bajillion 11 year old me's <laughs> running around out there <laughs> who needed to know some of the things that I've seen and learned. Mm. And with my editor at Penguin Random House, <laughs> <laughs> We took all the messages that I get from people and we called them. Uh, we, we looked at them and found that they all went into these certain categories. And each one of those categories made 
uh, it became a chapter in the book. Mm-hmm. So, for example, one of the chapters is how to deal with bullies and what is hate and how does hate work? And if I say something like, well, the hate doesn't belong to you, it belongs to the hater. Well, what exactly does that mean, right? So the whole chapter revolves around that. But the the really exciting thing is that it's a weird, weird book. And to Penguin Random House's credit, they really took a chance on this book. Is it memoir? Well, sort of. I tell stories from my childhood, so maybe. Is it self-help? Well, sort of. I give some advice, so maybe. Is it a workbook? Well, I have things that you can color and you can write and pages you can tear out of the book. So maybe. I'm in. It's like all of those things. And they don't, it's true, book bookstores don't quite know which section to put it in. And they have contacted me <laughs> asking where they should put it. But I think that's part of the, the, the goodness. It's a unique book. Put it where you like, where you think it'll do the most good. Well, I love too that in that in the description, the book, uh, the book defies conventions or constructs and is just authentically itself, which is very true to you. life. Yeah, yeah. Jeffrey Marge queering the, the, form the, of the book, book is what it wants to be and what it what it needs to be. I think that's I think that's lovely. What has been the response from from the 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 youth? Uh, to to the book. Well, wait, hold on a second, Neil. You're. Did you say something about me queering yeah. or something? Queering the form of the I? book. Oh, queering. Yeah. Well, yeah. Actually, I'm the first author with Penguin Random House that uses they them, and I mean, so I yeah, I've been doing that in a lot of ways with them, with Penguin. Come through um, penguins. Through penguin. The response has been overwhelming. Of course. Oh. I, I still, you know, imagine having someone be able to tell you about some of the steps toward loving yourself unconditionally when you're 13, mm-hmm. when you're 16. And it's not, I don't pretend that it's like the answer, the end all be all of, of everything. This is just the the beginning of a direction and the the workbooky parts are sort of like um I always wanted the book to be ours. So here you have a spot where the person reading it is actually writing and coloring in the book and making an artistic statement with me. Mm. You are so important that your contribution to this book makes the book what it is. It's our book. I love that. So the response to being taken seriously and to being respected has been, you know, as positive as you could imagine from teens. But here's the thing. It's not a young adult title. We could have made it a YA title. That is a category in in the Mm -hmm. publishing world. Penguin said, no, this, this actually is a book for everyone. To their credit. That's great. So, I want you both to read it. Well, definitely. And I will have my I will have my assistant send you a copy. Yay! <clears throat> and I will fill out all the things. <clears throat> yes, you should. 
So in that, you've mentioned like it's the, it's the, it's the beginning of, of, of further work. And I, I would be curious is what do you see your work evolving into? What are you hoping to do and, and things that you want to branch out into, uh, to, to expand the ideas that are so essential to you? Well, I, I, can I tell you a secret? Can it stay um, on the... <laughs> yes. Don't worry. No one listens to the podcast. I'm, yeah, sure. <laughs> I'm under the cloud of an NDA, if you know what that is. Yes. Non-disclosure yes. agreement. Um, but there is there is an unscripted TV show coming. <gasps> but I can't say anything else about it. Um, oh, my goodness. NDA, that's one place where we're going to expand in the coming months. That's amazing. Months. But also, I told you, I'm, I'm getting into acting and scripted. Yeah, yeah. Because people fall in love with non-binary and with queer people through character, mm-hmm. through scripted, through the pathos of, of scripted TV, especially, and, and movies. So that's, that's part of the mission, too, now. We're doing it. We're doing it all. Now, are these projects, are you finding that there are a growing number of projects that specifically are crafting characters that are non-binary or gender fluid? Absolutely. Yep. Right. It is the shit right now. That's it's fantastic. The bomb. Do you get an explicit rating? Or are you going to beat me up? Um, no. You say whatever you want to say. It's fine. Say what you want to say. Let the words come out. Honestly. <laughs> I want to see you brave. I just Boom. We're gonna have to pay the rights for that. So, yeah, here we go. <laughs> and so, and are, are are the projects that are coming across your desk are they um, <laughs> are they exciting to you? Uh, and and, and, and they don't have to anymore. describe them, but I would you know are, are you finding them to be positive and accurate representations? Oh, yeah. Or are you great? That's oh, that's yeah. heartening. Yes, it is heartening. And, and, you know, my, it's also partly that my agent knows not to send me out on something problematic. Mm -hmm. Cause you do get those like, Oh, you're a trans person. You're of course, you're going to play a hooker on SVU. Right. Right. Um, no, not always. Um, it's, it's wonderful also to be able to work with someone, which happens more often than not for them to say, Oh, is this sensitive? Is this what is this? You know, they're they're just as willing to work with someone in an audition as as I found. You know, as they are willing to change the script or the project or the you know angle from what we're, which we're talking. That's fantastic. So I've had a great experience. Would you ever write? Like a TV show, would you ever undertake maybe writing a pilot or branching Gosh. out into writing for that? No, I never thought about it. Should I? Absolutely. Okay, so here's the Absolutely. idea. Follow your dreams. <laughs> it's basically yeah. just friends, but everybody's non-binary. Of course. Let's <laughs> I mean, do it. That, let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> So um, when you are able to talk about those things, um, send us a little text or something, and then we'll have you back on. (laughs) You can come back anytime you want. Okay. Because you're you're fantastic. Wide open door. Yeah. You can even take over the podcast, and we'll just... Yeah, it's just... It's yours now. (laughs) 
We'll give you the admin Mute password. You both. Take your audio out, and I'll take it from there. We, yeah, that's. I mean, um, can I just say really quickly? I'm very embarrassed to say that I just now started following you on Instagram, um, and I was like, I was like, I was just sitting here listening so to you talk and thinking, and I was like. Oh no, am I following them on Instagram? Oh no. I hope Oh no. Oh, no. And then I went and I was like, "Oh, what if what if I follow them and then then they notice and then they're like, "Ooh, that's weird." But then I saw like 90,000 followers. And I was like, <laughs> "Ah, whatever, who cares?" So then I hit that follow button. Uh <laughs> <laughs> I believe it's 99k. I mean, let's be really clear. Clocked. I'm very close to the hundred k. <laughs> Maybe you pushed me over. Actually, I, I, I'm certainly. I did not. I don't think so. <laughs> I love it, you both. Oh, well, really? It, it and it, it, we because we've been talking for an hour. Yeah, this is like longer than any episode that we ever. Is it? Oh my god! Do. I yeah. I'm, I didn't realize. No. that. Yeah, you're right. Oh, you're right. you don't have to worry about. No, this is like totally fine. This is a supersized. Your fans are going to be so bored. They're asleep right now. No, they're Wake not. Wake up! Not at all. <laughs> no. We, they, it's it's really such an honor for us to get a chance to like talk to you about sure. about your work because we we have uh, admired your work and and feel inspired by what you do and it's um it's really a great pleasure for us to to have you on Bearded Fruit. Yes. No, oh, it was my pleasure. My pleasure as well. So let's do it again. Absolutely. As simple as that. You've been listening to Bearded Fruit, politics and culture through an intersectional queer lens. Now, if you enjoyed this week's episode, head over to our website, beardedfruit.com, to get more info about this week's show and to check out some of our other web features, like our weekly Ask a Dad advice column or our Fruit Stands section, which gives you ways to bring the Bearded Fruit conversation into your community. You can also connect with us on Facebook at Bearded Fruit and on Twitter at Bearded Fruit Pod. And if you have some feedback on this week's episode, or questions to ask us, or just want to share an idea for an upcoming episode, give us a call at 860-785-0633. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or find us on SoundCloud. And as always, thanks for listening.